You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by Audix. I wish I could break free back to where I'm supposed to be. And welcome back. It's Michael. I'm here with Chris, and I'm here with Kyle, and I'm here with Willa. What's going on, everybody? How are we doing? What's up? Hey, guys. Chilling. Chris, that is a fancy new intro, man. I got to hand it to you. I really oh, like yeah. it. I, I've been listening to it just like as leisure listening. It's very relaxing. Your, yes. your the, voice soothes me, sir. The enunciation of the P's are really good, too. <laughs> <laughs> My mom heard it. She, My mom said, who's that? Is that Chris? He has a great voice. I said, yes, mom. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'll start collecting royalties on that. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to say a big shout out to Audix for their sign on as our new sponsor. So it's great to partner up with them thank you audix let's do what we can do appreciative golf clap yeah yep there we are i'm big i'm gonna be big d6 fan myself um so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um i I hate to tear you away kyle kyle cooked a really fantastic dinner and he he sent photos of it to the group text that we have and uh, actually a short video of the the steak being cooked and yes uh, I feel almost like I feel bad that we have to record a podcast now because that that's I don't want to pull them away from the feast. But so um, <laughs> I, I will shout out Willa. She sent me an invite for one of the best Facebook groups that I'm in besides the Signal to Noise podcast Facebook group. It's called um, Uncomfortable Close Ups of Food. And, uh, <laughs> wow, that sounds really awesome. It's amazing. It's, actually, it's so good. Um, (laughs) and talk about endorphin rushes, like everyone likes food. So like you get thumbs up notifications, like every 32 seconds. So it's almost like you're on acid. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Everybody is all about the food and just sharing like super, super close ups of whatever it is that they're making or eating. And it's, it brings me such joy. Well, there you nice. go, Chris. There's the first. Uh, there's the first link to go in the description of this podcast. Uh, yeah, that has nothing to do with. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to work on that. Yes. Um, so our guest. <laughs> we did it. We always get back to food, but this time we started out with food. We got the food out of the way early, so we can move on to our guest, Miss Erica Rust, is here with us this evening. I've been uh, really yes, I've been excited to have her on the show for a long time. So I'm glad she's here. Erica is a live sound engineer. She specializes in the systems engineering. She currently freelances with her own company, Wavelength Engineering. She has extensive experience working with L Acoustics and D&B Systems. She works with companies such as Solo Tech, Sound on Stage, Creative Technology, Morris Light and Sound, and more. She's also been known to teach a smart training class on occasion, I hear. Um, and her experience ranges a diverse clientele from artists such as Ben Howard, Sarah McLaughlin, and Hillsong United, among others, to corporate events for companies such as IBM, Oracle, and Salesforce, and any of you who are readers of soundgirls.org, you have probably seen her blog on there as well. Erica, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a really intense bio. I'm actually pretty proud of myself for getting through all that without screwing it up. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So, yeah, well, so, I mean, and we were kind of chatting a little bit about this before, but, you know, every time I've ever heard your name mentioned it's been in connection with your work as a systems engineer so you know you, you don't you don't really consider yourself a mixer right you really focus on the systems side of things yeah i mean it's not that i don't want to mix or don't like mix or don't like mixing in general it's just 
um, something I don't find myself um, pulled to as much anymore. Like I actually have a lot of passion for systems engineering and I, and that's what I really find myself leaning towards. And I'd kind of rather do that than mix these days, believe it or not. I, I, I got to say, I feel that. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where are you from or where are you living now? Um, I live in Berkeley, California, although I'm currently trying to figure out a new place to live sort of in transit, uh, doing the whole uh, roadie nomad thing. But I'm from Oakland, California. Hey, that's my area of California. I grew up in Sunnyvale. Oh, snap. Bay Area. (laughs) Bay Area. Too short. Del the funky homo sapien. Yep. I I appreciate your comments because I think like a lot of people, I, you know, my first foray into live sound was mixing. I think I think a lot of us could say that. But the more I learned about mixing and about systems engineering, the less attractive I found mixing, and the more you know interested I became in in the the engineering side of things. So so I definitely respect that. Now I I can be spotted behind a mix console on occasion, but I'll never be uh, Jim Yak or Kyle Turnside. You know, so wow, thanks, dude. <laughs> Either well, well I. I always kind of joke too that there's a, a lot of people who want to twist knobs and push faders, so you know, there's plenty of people to take that position. Well, I mean, that's true, and and this is something that we talked about on the last episode. Um, for those who watched us on the on our, our Facebook Live episode, um, you know, it's not just about you know the turning the knobs and stuff, you know, I I, I like. I'm really interested in in the side of engineering where okay something just broke and we have to fix it and there's a show happening so you have to fix it quickly and you know that's that's sort of the part that really engages my technical mind and so that's sort of where the system techs you know nervously sitting in a chair in front of house like okay nothing nothing went down we're good like just keeping an eye on the amplifier inputs so, you know I see that I see that I see the crouch happening and I I identify very well with that yeah absolutely and um yeah, what? I definitely agree with that. And there's also, I mean, for me, there's, I find the the science behind systems engineering very fascinating. And um, I like, I'm trying to communicate that to people. And I guess like my blog and various education stuff I do is like, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's one of my heroes. Um, yeah. So I'm always like, I, I feel like if i get through life getting people as excited about the science of sound as Neil deGrasse Tyson gets people about the stars. I'll have like achieved my dream in life. Oh, I love that. That's That's beautiful. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so coming up, obviously I'm going to use a Neil deGrasse Tyson thing that, that I use to this day is kids are born scientists. So when you talk about the science of sound, like where did you start gravitating towards the system engineering thing. Did you Ah, get it? Did you have a mentor? Um, I definitely have had mentors, but it's actually funny you mentioned that because like, so when I was a teenager in high school, I used, I spent like all my money going to concerts, uh, buying, buying records and, um, like music was just such a huge passion of mine that, And I felt so strongly like when I listened to my favorite album or went to see my favorite show that like after a while I decided that I wanted to 
make people feel the same way when they go to a concert that I feel when I go to see my favorite band. So I figured like the best way to do that was to go into the technical side of things, uh, to the technical side of um, audio. And at, at first, you know, like, of course, there's, you know, the mixing path, which is what I, I went to school for was studio recording at first. But then it ended up kind of gravitating uh, more towards the system side because of my mentors, actually. Because I had, um, like, I would say if there's several big mentors I've had throughout my life. One is my friend uh, Tom Lyon, who's, he actually mixes front of house for Dave Matthews Band now. And another is my friend Sully, who lives over on the East Coast, um, Chris Sullivan, who's a system engineer as well. Both of them have, uh, like, Tommy was a systems engineer before he mixed front of house. And both of those guys, I think, have played a pretty big role in sort of guiding me because I didn't even know like systems engineering was something you could do before I met them or at least before I met Tommy because I met Tommy while I was still in college. So I love that you have mentors. I mean, I think and that's another thing that we talk about over and over again. And I will I will continue to say it on this show is is so, so important. Uh, it just it brings an aspect that you can't get out of a textbook. You can't get out of an Internet forum. Um, it's so important to have someone you can call up and be be OK asking that stupid question to. Um, and and you pay it forward. I mean, you're you're out there. You know, I saw a video of you at a, a, is a was it a Sound Girls uh, chapter that you were you were speaking at and you were kind of sharing your your knowledge with people. Um, and I think yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, that was. Uh, are you referring to the system optimization workshop I did for Sound Girls? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That was the. I think that was the first time I ever did any kind of sound related public speech thing, but it was super fun. And that's kind of, to me, that's, I mean, it goes back to what you said at the beginning that the heart of it to me is like, okay, you know, I understand that, you know, when I'm standing in line at the grocery store that the 12 people in front of me are not passionate about FIR filters, right? But, you know, how, how can you, how can you communicate this passion in a way that gets other people engaged? And that, that to me is a more of a truly passionate person when someone who has no idea what you're talking about and no context for it goes like, oh yeah, I, I could see why, why you're so excited about this. I can see what makes that cool. Um, and you, you, your work kind of exudes that. I think that's really neat. Oh, thanks. And also I got to tell everyone, she's been doing a bang up job. Uh, when we were doing the, uh, the, uh, the smart operator fundamentals online, the webinar series, um, she was in there up to her elbows in the chat, just jumping in and, and helping answer questions and, and pointing people in the right direction. And that is not an easy task. Um, so that's cool as well. So thanks for that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, those it was fun moderating uh some of those webinars. That was a a really fun thing to do. I I'm sure all you guys are finding it, you know, everyone wants to stay engaged in our industry even though not, we're not working right now or nah. not doing shows, I should say. Nah. I Kyle's like not. Kyle wants to stay at home and make steaks. <laughs> I like cooking, I like hanging out with my kid. I like um not thinking about FIR filters in line at the grocery store. <laughs> But that's why we have a system tech, Kyle, because you can just go and I mean, so I mean, that's an interesting dynamic to me, too, because Kyle, Kyle, you you when you touring, 
with these huge bands, you put a ton of trust in your tech, you know, and you would, and they would tell you, and you've you've talked about it before, you know, they would tell you, okay, stay on the bus. We'll come get you when we're ready. So, I mean, maybe, you know, you can kind of chat with Erica about that. You know, what, you know, what, what's that process like for you? And you're, you're putting your trust in that tech and, and you're just walking in and hoping that they've done their job right. Well, at first, you know, uh, Dave, Dave Coyle was my system tech, um, it, and it was kind of like his first system teching job for Claire. And, um, he actually started as our monitor engineer with fallout boy. And, um, I was doing my own tech work and I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I really enjoyed it because obviously once you jump into a company of that clout, it was cool to have all the tools that I needed to do the right thing, you know? And, um, Dave jumped over on the next tour and we got a monitor engineer and he became my system tech. And it was so cool how he just like wanted to handle it. And don't get me wrong. I, I still came in when he was like one of the first tours that we went on, I think it was Honda civic. No, it was before then. Um, it was an amped mobile thing in an MTV two. Uh, I had prism out. So the reason I took prism was it was the biggest, loudest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And (laughs) um, I saw it out with Ozzy and I saw it out with a ton of other Claire, you know, it was old Shoko rig. So that when they asked me what I wanted, I was like the biggest thing ever, you know, prism. (laughs) Um, So it was really interested for me for the first couple tours to have a tech and he was with me for six years. So it was like, I saw some of his kids being born. I knew his wife, like he knew exactly what I needed and what I wanted by, you know, the halfway through the thing. And even when we didn't get to bring in our PA, like we do festival shows outside or whatnot, um, Dave would still step up and be at front of house with whoever was running the show that day to make sure that I got control when I needed to. And he'd give me the lowdown on what was going on and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I, I, I still, I haven't had a tech for a long time. So, um, and, and I never wanted to be white glove. I loved walking the arena. Like that was one of my favorite things to do was to take the tablet and run around and listen in different seats. Because like Erica said at the beginning, um, you go to all these shows when you're a kid but you're limited funds. So if you're going to an arena show when you're a kid, the only seat you can afford, unless your parents are rich, is the bad seats or a seat that necessarily isn't expensive, you know? So I wanted to make sure that those kids were having the same experience or as close as possible, you know, around the arena because it shouldn't matter how much you pay, you know, everyone should be reinforced the same. And and of course, totally. you're dealing with you're dealing with arenas and sheds sheds are a little bit easier because they are designed for music and performance audio, but, uh, the Superdome, not so much, you know, uh, B market hockey arena in Des Moines, Iowa, not so much, you know, so it was cool and a challenge. And I appreciate system techs for the main reason, you know, when I worked for Midas, um, I was a console kid. Like I always dug into the desk. That was my thing. And now that I've kind of switched gears, learning about, and this is, this is probably my next question to you, Erica, is learning about electricity and loudspeakers and placement 
I, I think some people neglect those things when they head into the system tech world. So, you know, do those things interest you? Like, I love electricity right now. Like, that's one of the coolest things. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of like just knowing technical information about all this, those things or because, I mean, yes, I'm very interested in all those things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you never want to be the dude pulling the feeder, but like <laughs> you want to know what the feeder is going to do because we had certain situations in B market arenas where we were you know, brown and out. Like I didn't know how to explain that stuff when I was a kid. So you just kind of learned it along the way, but you know, uh, yep. um, and even going to other countries, you know, working with two thirty or different voltages, different backline. Like I never knew how big a difference electricity could make with loudspeakers and amplification. Yeah. And you know, a lot of that's, um, you know, it's interesting because that sort of kind of rolls into um, a discussion about like crew chief and system engineers too, because like specking power and that sort of thing is also tends to be something that like either the crew chief on like a tour does. But now I feel like that, like the role of the crew chief and system engineer used to be um, the same thing, but nowadays it's it's both still become like people get put on that same to do the same role, uh, be a crew chief and system engineer, but like both require a lot in a modern tour. So it's almost it. I feel like my personal opinion is that they should be two separate jobs, but at the same time, you know, they can be done by. I, and I certainly have done it myself as this one person, but yeah. Like it's so important to have proper power specs for a show and to make sure that you um, have the have the right power allocated for you too. you know, the between you and the uh, between audio and like the lighting and video department, having proper transformers, um, having so that I mean, without electricity, the show doesn't happen. Right. So very much so. So can you can you take us through and I and I know I hate using the word typical because we all know every every show is different. But when you're you know so in that role as touring system tech for a major tour, I mean, what does your day look like? How, how you know how much are you modeling ahead of time? What are you doing when you get in the venue that morning? How much are you measuring there on the spot? I mean, you know, one of the things that I know about L Acoustics is they're they're very very strong in their prediction game and they and they've really worked hard on on and and can be said for DMB as well and giving you an actionable tool set. So when you walk in the door, you, you have a leg up. So can you kind of walk us through your process there? Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, there's the saying that any task that you have uh, can, you can take as much time as the time you have out the time you actually have to perform it. Right. So if you have like an hour or two, an hour or two hours, then you have two hours to do one job. But if you have, if the bus arrives late or for some reason, think like the time for loading got pushed back, maybe you only have half an hour to do the same job. So, you know, I, I could tell you a typical flow of things, but everything can either be elongated or truncated, I guess, depending on the timeline. But the nice thing about 
like a lot of modern prediction software by like the major manufacturers is that you can actually front load a lot of your work if you um, put in the legwork ahead of time. Like getting CAD, you can take CAD drawings now and import them into um, programs like Google SketchUp and then uh, draw them, then draw out venues in various, uh, whether it's SoundVision or RayCalc, all these prediction softwares that let you do that and do very accurate scaled models ahead of time. And so you can sort of go in with this game plan, but uh, I always like, uh, it's actually one of Jamie's slogans, a Jamie Anderson slogan that'll always be burned in my brain is uh, the trust but verify mm. slogan, right? So, you know, even if you, even if I build like a model ahead of time, or even if I'm using like a pre-made model, like from an archive or maybe some one I got from a colleague, I'll still take measurements in the morning to make sure that it's accurate because I mean, think you could have, you could be looking at a CAD drawing that was made two years ago and then they just put in a new scoreboard or, <laughs> or, Oh, by the way, we added a, there's now an, uh, a video screen in the bleachers somewhere, or maybe the, you know, the CAD drawing you got was in meters as opposed to feet and inches or something. So um, or the old, uh, hey, I know you always have these points when you play this room, but this time you can't have those. And we've moved your whole PA forward 14 feet. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's a... <laughs> exactly. I mean, but that's that's the, the wonderful thing about having like production riggers and God bless production riggers. So I always try, <laughs> I always try and say like, um, you know, every job's important, but like the people who make sure the things don't fall out of the air are uh, doing a very important job. And they do a job that, you know, I don't want to do because I'm, I, it's a lot, that's a lot of stress. So I always say, you know, be best friends with your production riggers on your tour because they're the ones who will make your job, they'll make you have a great day or a terrible day, depending. So um, anyway, yeah, I mean, part of what I do is like, as I go in, if, if it's like an arena tour uh, or even a shed tour where we're carrying PA is uh, go in uh, and e either draw the room from scratch. So take measurements on site to draw the room as fast as possible. And I usually give myself a uh, self inflict self. Uh, what's I, what's the word like? Self-imposed, probably. Self-imposed, yeah. Self-imposed timeline that, you know, uh, basically you have the time of markout before trucks dump to get all your measurements done. Because as soon as trucks start dumping, there's going to be rigging cases coming out and you won't be able to make, take those measurements anymore. And But then and at that point... People walking around trying to find catering. Exactly, yep. And if, uh, you know, then... Also, if you're the crew chief as well, then you have other things that you need to be doing too, like, uh, you know, sort it, helping sort dumping trucks or, you know, discussing power, like we were talking about earlier, with the other departments. And, or, you know, it's sort of a, a balance act of trying to figure out what, how you can get each task done 
uh, and stay one step ahead of the thing that needs to, that's going to be done by somebody else, I guess, you know, like, uh, you know, figuring out where power is ahead of time before, you know, maybe the PA techs come in so that they, everybody knows what they, where their, where their real estate is, uh, prior to them getting prior to the trucks dumping and gear coming off the truck. Right. Or having, having your angles calculated by the time the cable bridges are built and people are starting to float cable bridges kind of thing. So. Yeah. Don't be the one that people are waiting on. Basically. That's, that's what I try to do is, you know. Yeah, exactly. Wait, not somebody. I don't want it to be me. <laughs> exactly. And um, exactly. And then move and also working with, you know, the other departments as far as like, hey, maybe you're in a smaller arena. And so we got to move the amp world upstage further than normal and adjust cabling as a result of it. Or, you know, the production rigor will come up and say, you know, we're not going to be able to because usually for most at least for most uh, made like arena tours or even even a theater tour or a shed tour for that matter like you're working off a, a set rigging you're trying to work off a standardized rigging plot that either has been uh, developed ahead of time or talked you know sort of pre-established and is uh, adjusted for each venue but sometimes you get there and you know uh they're, they because of the way that the venue is, they have to adjust things and like, oh, uh, do you got the production rigger will come up to you and be like, hey, do you mind if we we're, we have to move your main hang uh, foot off stage or foot on stage, stuff like that. And it's all, you know, a game of compromise. Right. So trying to work with other people to both make everybody's job happen, but also negotiate those things. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things that that I think a lot about, kind of where's that line, you know, I want to be easy to work with, I don't want to go in and pick fights with people, but at the same time, you at some point have to know when to stand up and say, no, this is going to cause a problem if we do this, you know, and so I'm I'm always trying to trying to kind of feel out where where that compromise lies, where, where the show is going to be, you know, good, and I'm going to be doing my job, I'm going to be doing the best that I can, but I'm also not trying to be stubborn or or irritate people um, because I think if you go too far one way or the other, you can get yourself into all kinds of trouble. Sure. I mean, the, I mean, the thing about our industry and I think it's true, not just for audio, but for probably, I mean, for other departments too, is like our whole industry is a game of compromises, right? You know, yeah. it all looked great on paper, but then you got to the gig and, you know, there was some variable that you had to account that you have to reassess things for. But I I always try to evaluate things both on a return of investment property line, like our return on investment evaluation. Like if I make a stink about this, how much am I really gaining from mm -hmm. making this adjustment? Right. You know, like if. Uh, a, a great example is if you're you can't get the trim height that you were looking for in your modeling software. This is like the perfect example because if for some reason like the let you know someone calls to you on radio and says, "Oh, we're not going to get we're like two or three feet short or maybe more of the trim height you're going to get." Like 
is the return on the investment of making someone take down, bring the entire rig in to change angles worth the benefit of just trying to make a compromise, say with side angle um, and trim to get the best solution because the stage has to roll at a set time. Other departments are trying to work too. You know, it's just kind of a, a game of evaluating compromises, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And I, I'd also say that this is where, going back to what Kyle was talking about, this is where having an understanding of the fundamentals and the core mechanisms really pays off because, you know, there are a lot of times when you have to be able to, you know, do angles on the back of a napkin or you have to, like you said, I mean, the rigging doesn't work. And so you're put on the spot to make a call. And, you know, my whole thing is the better understanding I have of the the key mechanisms here, the better call I'm going to be able to make. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the great thing is now we're, we're very lucky uh, because the technology that's available to us lets us make those evaluations very quickly on site. Like I'll have my computer out with me if, and if someone tells me that, you know, they can't get that trim height, I'll be like, okay, uh, give me one second, you know, go into the prediction software and reevaluate how the, how I can make the best of this situation. And then be like, okay, here's what you're going to do. Here's your new side angle or whatever um, the adjustment is. Uh, and then, you know, you can evaluate that on site, which is great. I, I'm not sure, you know, that hasn't been available for the entire, that's only a recent um, thing yeah. that's become available, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's also, it kind of ties into, and this is something that, that you and I were talking about the other day. I'm, I'm going to be talking about this at, at the live sound summit in a couple of weeks. Um, that time that you put in ahead working on your design is time well spent because, you know, I, I, I've been in situations where you hang the rig and it does exactly what the prediction said it would do. And so that saves me a boatload of time. You know, if, if the first time you're thinking about this stuff is when you already got your smart rig up and running and you're like, Oh gee, I need to, you know, now I need to try to EQ this thing in a submission. That's not going to work. Right. I mean, so, so th just do start from square one and do, do the job right all the way through and put that time in ahead of time when you're not stressed, get a good design and, and then you're going to be that much better off when you put this thing up in the air and it, and it does what it was supposed to do. And then, you know, then generally you're, you're into minor tweaks instead of big panic mode stuff. <laughs> yeah. EQ is not the solution to a mechanical problem. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yes. I was hoping you would. That's great. Yeah. No, you can't. Uh, I mean, and you can't, <laughs> I, I, I know it's another thing that we say a lot, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you could speak to this as well. I mean, the number one problem I see with, people's PAs when they call me is they, they pointed the speakers the wrong way. Number one problem by far. <laughs> and I can't fix that with EQ. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, you got to move it. Um, so don't, don't just, you know, st start applying those concepts as early as possible. And, and it just, it's just going to be a better, easier uh, outcome all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, old dusty, what do you got? What do I got? Where's Where's Chris well, Leonard right now? <laughs> where is Chris Leonard? Chris Leonard, who's where, that? Where you at? Who's there? That? He is the oh, bass voice. I'm right here. Um, you know what I want to talk about, and and I think you know, Willie, you're you're a mixer, and and Kyle, you're a mixer. Um, the relationship, you know, to me, when I when when the show starts up, 
you know, the system tech job is not done. Uh, my thing is, you know, I, I got to go walk. I want to, you know, make sure that the front fills are doing what they're supposed to do and the delays are doing what they're supposed to do. But, but also making sure that the mixer is comfortable is a big part of that. And, and, you know, try to be attentive and make sure that the person mixing um, has what they need and, and they feel they can worry about the mix and not worry about what the PA is doing. And, and they feel, they feel confident that I am handling that. So um, I, you know, Willa, Kyle, Chris, when you guys work on shows with techs, I mean, you know, what, what's that like? Do you feel a little more comfortable in your mix when you know you have a tech sitting there handling that stuff? Well, I can tell you right now that I have never had a tech. Uh, that would be wonderful. That is the dream. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm working on that. It's going to take me a little time, but uh, well, we're so right. I'm, I'm my own even, tech, e- really. E- yeah, even but, – but think of your uh, – house techs too you know so if you're going in with one of the bands you're mixing you know your house guy lady is is your person for the day too so yeah Yeah. you get tech that's a good point yeah that's that's still a new avenue for me so i'm still kind of getting used to being like the guest engineer which is such a fun role to be in especially in austin where the guest engineers are oftentimes my fellow club engineers that i've worked with before so uh and more often than not we're kind of at the mercy of the install um, and the owners don't really want us to change anything or there's no way to physically change anything. So you're kind of just locked into whatever was put there, which, uh, sometimes can be fine. And other times is like, Oh boy, this PA is older than I am. Um, <laughs> and has not Easy. been treated well, has been treated <laughs> very badly. Um, so it, it's, um, I mean, I've had maybe one, situation where i've walked in and the the tech was like good to work with so far um other than that it's mostly me like i'll ask them a question and they're unfortunately i'm not able to answer i mean they're able to say like where stuff is which is super helpful i really appreciate it um but beyond that they can't really help me with anything else so i have i'm i'm basically you know, EQing the room from scratch. And problem is I'm, we're an opener band too. Um, oh so man. We, yeah. So we don't, we don't get a lot so of you don't time. get any time. Nah. I mean, I'll roll up with like my, my scene and the firmware won't be updated. So I can't like use my scene that I worked really hard to build specifically for this show. <laughs> or for So, this well, show. let's, Willow, let me ask you this then, because you are, you are, have been on the other side of that a yeah, lot where you yeah. have a guest engineer coming in mm-hmm. and your, your job is to just take care of them and make sure they have sure. what they need. So what, what do you, what are some things that you do um, to make that visiting engineer comfortable? I make sure I know where all the power is, how much uh, that, that it draws. Uh, is it all on one circuit, which I've worked in many clubs where everything is on one circuit. Uh, <laughs> and if, yes. And gotta if, love those. Yeah, and if, yeah, and, rock and roll. Oh yeah. Unplug the blender. blender. Nobody use the blender. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then if they need more than one circuit, where can I get another circuit? Where's the cabling to do that? Um, how do I make you various unplug the neon over the bar? Oh, what? Now? Oh yeah. That's one too. Yeah. The neon Budweiser sign. It's got to go. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Just don't turn that on guys. Um, <laughs> and then from there, uh, how, how is my system built? Um, how do I power? Is it powered? Is it passive? Uh, are there any quirks? Uh, if I have a, a house EQ, which I always do, I, I offer it to them and you know tell them what I've found about the room, especially if it's a really weirdly shaped room. Uh, if I always ask them, hey, would you like some some uh, thoughts on the space or not? 
sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no. If they say yes, I'll give them my ideas. Um, I'll give them access to the house EQ. And then as long as, and then if, you know, if they have any wiring needs, then I'll, I'll pin the stage for them um, and just enter like stagehand patch, patcher mode really from there. Hmm. I, I like what you said about, you know, I asked them if they want my thoughts because in, and, and I, 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 one, one of the gigs that, that I have had until the world shut down was uh, mm-hmm. a, a house, a one at, at a college theater. And there's a lot of touring shows that come through there and it really runs the gamut because I've had people who literally had not seen the show before that they were about to mix mm. and didn't have any familiarity with the console to people that are old hat touring guys that have been doing it twice as long as I've been alive. And the best thing I can do is just get out of the way and, sure. and everywhere in between. Um, and so that's something that I have to try to gauge pretty early on, hopefully during the advancing process. What's my role in this today? Right. Um, and, it, and it goes from I'm running the show yeah. because this person has no idea what's happening all the way up to I'm going to just kind of, you know, hang out and make sure the DSP doesn't blow up. And that's about it. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, interaction. I think yeah. it's, that's a helpful one, too. I mean, sometimes the most that, that you can do is just get them some water and then stand off to the side and just be visible and available to help at, at the drop of a hat if they need it. Mm-hmm. it's all up to them and they'll tell you they'll let you know yep for sure i think i think one of the biggest things you know uh being an engineer looking to your system tech um uh there has to be a level of trust there um and typically it's i don't want to say it's earned but i mean typically there's a relationship that's built there uh that if um if i know i'm trying to achieve something uh i may not know the full wiring i may not know f- how to work the specific dsp or something like that uh but i need i need to rely on and be able to translate what it is i'm trying to achieve to my system tech and say hey i know i want x and then trust that they're going to be able to achieve it for you um and and that that's i think that's one of the biggest relationships so erica how, um is that something maybe you've had to navigate with someone and maybe someone didn't have trust you in the beginning uh or you had to develop that or what does that dynamic look like for you oh yeah i mean that you have to have like the relationship between like the systems engineer and the front of house engineer is like a totally symbiotic relationship because like i always kind of look at it like the like the mix engineer is a painter and like the system engineer's job is to create the blank canvas for the um, painter, the mix engineer to paint on and to give them the same blank canvas every day. And I think part of the thing that I actually enjoy the most about the, this position or that position is that you have like part of the job is that you have to figure out and understand what the front of house engineer is looking for and what they hear. And it's, uh, what's that? They're usually looking for catering. <laughs> for catering <laughs> yes but no it's like i mean every you think about it everybody has a different way that they you know perceive music that they're like different stylizations it you know it, it's what got the front of house engineer there uh, maybe not necessarily but you know it's one of the reasons the mo- they that person is the front of house engineer is because they're able to, you know, create a certain sound. There's something that they're going for that they're listening to listening for. And I think that's kind of like the fun part of it is you have to, you know, part of that is you have to figure that what, what is the thing that they're trying 
to go for the what they're hearing and then being able to sort of like translate that into either like a transfer function goal that they're that you're trying to achieve because you know you know it's a combination of using those tools and as well as using your ears too right of course because it all comes down to you know using our ears in the end and uh because you know i had there's a a front house engineer that I worked with um, actually with Hillsong United and we would walk around like uh, part of the turning tuning process every day was to walk around together with the VNC tablet and uh, so that he could hear the entire system. I mean, not all front of house engineers want to go and like walk around to hear everything. And it was a very organic process because you know, he'd be like, well, don't you think it's kind of bitey here in this like section of the side hang? I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I totally hear what you're and like by like those kind of I mean, sometimes it's not that um, the the person isn't that uh, open to just sharing that information with you sometimes. But so that's part of the you know, the interesting part about it is you have to figure that out. Like, what is the sound that that person's using for? That person's going for. And you can tell, too, like with test tracks, you know, like if you pay attention, like I have my test tracks that I use to when I'm doing like my part of the tuning. But then if you like listen to the what the front of house engineers playing, you can kind of gauge and if you see like look at the changes that they make and listen and listen to their music it's it's a really cool like organic experience and that's one of my favorite things about the whole front of house engineer system tech dynamic is sort of like like learning how each other's workflow is and trying to accommodate each other i love I hope- it I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. Yeah, I know it's it's funny. We've we've kind of been we've, we've talked to quite a few system engineers lately, or even front of house engineers, and it's a recurring thing. We talk about that relationship and how and how key that is. Um, and so, no, it, it's that's absolutely the case. Ha, has there been an instance where, um, you know, you for whatever reason, whether it was personality, whether it was just uh, your ability versus the front house engineer's ability, where you guys you guys just just couldn't get on that same page, and and that was that was a struggle, or have you always been able to just kind of find that groove? Um, uh, I think I've been very fortunate, and that I've had I've worked with some very great front of house engineers so far in my career, so that hasn't been. A uh, big that hasn't really come up yet, but um, the I think it there's always like when you, especially if, if you know you're you haven't worked together before and maybe and you're coming as a with with the PA but like hired through a company, you know there's that initial sort of like getting to know each other period. Right. Like like you like you guys were kind of talking about earlier where, you know, it's like at first, you know, I don't expect someone to who I don't know to trust me right off the bat. Of course, you know, it's like you have to there's a certain level of having to make the like prove your that you're not like a complete idiot and also, you know, prove that you want to do a good job and uh you know, that you're there to like make an effort and to 
try and figure the whole gig out together, you know? So. Yeah. Is there, how about um, the relationship you have to have with um, your tour uh, production managers on tour in terms of uh, when you do need to make these changes? Cause like, look, if I don't make this change there, you know, this is drastically going to affect the show. Uh, and if the artist finds out or if tickets get, you know, recalled because of it or this, that, and the other, um, what type of relationship do you uh, have to navigate with your production manager on tour? Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to think about the greater picture in those kind of scenarios, really, because, you know, a good production manager, if, if you're going, if you tell them, Hey man, this thing, there's a, this issue's happening. We need to do something about it. Like uh, I'm not like, if something has escalated to the point of me bringing it up to the production manager, it's uh it's obviously a big deal. You know what I mean? Like those, you know, people who work in production have plenty of other things on their plate. Like the last thing I want to do is try and bother them with something going on with the, with my department. You know, it's like, I feel like the, there's sort of this unspoken rule that the, any, like you're doing a good job if nobody notices you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like I don't want people to notice me necessarily. Like I'd rather like uh, to fly under the radar. Like if so, if I'm gonna bring up an issue to the production manager, I want it to like it's I'm bringing it up for a specific reason. Like something is really needs to be addressed. Yeah, I mean to me it's like it's like not cr- not crying wolf, right? Like yeah. look, you know I don't come and bother you about all kinds of stuff. So the fact that I'm coming here asking you for this should indicate to you that it's important. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I try to, you know, all sorts of compromises happen all the time, like you're talking about, but a lot of them you just go, okay, and, and you'll deal with it. But, you know, if it's really something that I had to run up the pole, it's, it's going to be something big that is going to cause, you know, real problems in a real way. If, if, if I'm here talking to you about it, that's why I'm here. So I'm not here because my my cheeseburger was cold. Yeah, that builds up a lot of integrity, too, and just a lot of trust amongst the crew and reliability in you and your expertise. That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, there's also, I mean, a certain level of like, hey, man, don't don't worry about it. We can handle this. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, uh, something that's not a major issue. And I think one of the best thing best uh, lines that my mentor, uh, my buddy Sully said once to me is he's like, we're doing sound. We're not landing airplanes. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. unless, like, unless people are in danger of dying or there's something like life threatening happening, we all like, I'm not, not to say that, you know, making sure that the PA doesn't go out isn't a big issue but (laughs) of course you know I'm not that's not what I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is that like in the greater scheme of things you know there's we are making a show just making a show happen but that being said like at this so I'm I think about that in terms of like it really helps me just remind myself to stay chill like Mm -hmm. like no matter how big the like this, the problem is we can solve it if we just stay chill and focus on like, okay, what can we do to make this happen? All right. The, the left side of the PA just went out. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's try and figure, let's look here, you know, follow the signal flow and just stay calm and figure out what happened. That kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that that coolness under fire, it, and it's so important. And it's something that uh, when we had my friend Daniel Ramirez on uh, tour manager a couple episodes ago, you know, cultivating that atmosphere of hey, let's all just stay calm because um, that stuff is contagious. So if you're panicking, uh, people around you start to panic. And, and you know, if I have a problem with the system, I don't need the front of house engineer getting all panicked too. I need them to just keep doing their thing and them to trust me that I'm going to go and deal with it. So, um, you know, <laughs> I think I think that's, I mean, maybe that's some good closing advice. Erica, what would you do to, to people who are, you know, trying to develop that? Because it certainly needs to be developed. It's something that you develop over time, this ability to keep your cool when there's a problem. Um, you know, how, how did you develop that skill? Um, <laughs> uh, through lots of crying in the bathroom <laughs> at venues. No, yeah. just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I guess to remember that like tomorrow, you know, we're, we're all human. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Uh, and tomorrow's a new day. And as long as you're trying to, just always try and do better, I guess, is, mm-hmm. you know, like, even if, even if it seems like the world is fall- crumbling right now, like, just, you know, I'd, I've been trying to really be better in my, in the recent times about self-care and just take, you know, if things get overwhelming, uh, you know, take just, maybe I need to like go and, take five minutes and eat something or get a coffee or like breathe. And then t- just remember that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I think that uh, great advice, not only for gigs, but for life as well. And in, in something I know about myself is that when I am more relaxed, I think more clearly and I'm more likely to solve a problem quicker in an orderly fashion. So, so I've just taught myself, Hey, if you lose your shit right now, you're going to be less effective and that's just going to make it worse. So just stay calm and, you know, think about, think about this in an orderly fashion. And, and, and it definitely takes practice. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, something goes down at a show. I mean, that's a scary thing. And if it doesn't scare you, then, you know, I don't know if that's good. Like you, you I'm yeah. invested enough to care about that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that to happen. I want, I want it to. So if some, some breaks, I, I'm, it's going to scare me, but um, yeah, you know, it, it definitely, kind of just you know stubbornly trudging through failures <laughs> problems has made me uh, a little more thick skin in that regard yeah definitely well this is this has been uh, a lot of fun and and right up my alley certainly so uh thank you for uh, for coming to chat with us it's really been been a treat yeah this has been great thank you so much for having me guys appreciate yeah. it very much yeah, so. thanks for being yeah. here and we will put um, the links to your blog and so forth in the description of this podcast. So anyone who's interested in what Erica has to say and wants to go learn more about her or her work or her writing, uh, check the links in the description and uh, you'll go right there and, uh, and it'll all be great. Yes, indeed. There it is. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you for having me, guys. <laughs>